As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. The Ruck is back. And so is my voice after eight weeks in Japan. But we've had a bit of a break since the end of the Rugby World Cup. Luckily, not too much has been going on in the world of rugby. Slotty, anything caught your eye in particular? No, it's, it's been quite as anything, actually. I've been doing yoga since I've been back. Interesting. And Jonesy? Um, so any... you didn't mean that, did you? It's not interesting. No, it? it's not interesting at all. Cause... Well, I've moved on. Uh, Jonesy, any, Terrible bi- start from any big stories we've missed? No. I, lol, I'm sorry, mate. I'm still in Japan. I'm in Shinjuku, I'm in uh, Shiodome, <laughs> I'm in Shimbayashi, I'm still on the Ginza Strip, I'm still there. As you can tell, I am Lawrence Delalio, and with me are the Times and Sunday Times dream team of Owen Slot and Stephen Jones. We have to, I guess, get stuck into the biggest story to hit our sport since the Bloodgate Harlequin scandal. Yes, it's time for Saracens and Jonesy. Um, you've had a fair bit to say about it. Well, first of all, uh, it's no, nowhere remotely compared to Bloodgate. Bloodgate was an absolutely shocking incident in which the the careers of two senior medical people were, were at risk. One of them was terminated. That was absolutely deliberate, preconceived cheating. Uh, the judgment, should anyone really want to hear it, the judgment of the Saracens case categorically said there was no deliberate intent to infringe the salary cap. That is a direct quote which really uh, stuffs all those people who wanting them to be disbanded, who want to sue them, etc. It's very unfair. Let me just break, boil it all down. Saracens' major offence was to be too good for a lot of other teams. Mm, very interesting. Mm. So you, you don't you don't think that they that they have uh, uh, misled the auditor in any way whatsoever? No, no, because no, that's that is what the the the, the right honourable or whatever his name is, Judge Devlin, uh, who's a former master of the rolls, says there was no deliberate attempt to infringe the salary cap. Now, if there's anything else in that judgment that contradicts the judge himself, well, they should put it out. But the secrecy of this is ridiculous. There are no offences which have come to light which justify any fine at all, leave alone uh, the the great train robbery uh, fine and leave alone the 35 points. If there is anything in there that, that justifies that fine, they should say it. Because at the moment, what I've learned from all my investigations is there was no deliberate attempt to infringe the salary cap. Hmm. Owen, would you like to? I mean, you you obviously were um, were, were also breaking the the story at the same time uh, in the Times as Jonesy was in the Sunday Times. No, uh, sorry, the Sunday Times comes out on the Sunday. Slotty comes out on the Monday. Okay, so yeah, I just had but, a short head. To be fair, I I broke the story that they were going to get a thirty five point deduction, mm. and then you broke the story that they weren't going to appeal against it. So we're both newsbreakers on that level. We're in the same place, but in terms of our interpretation of it. I, I think um, you're I'm not at, interpreting anything. You're I'm, at on I'm one you, limb, and I could not be further on the other one. I'm not. I'm not. I am not interpreting anything. I'm telling you what yeah. was in the judgment. No, no, Steve. This judgment is 103 pages long. Well, see, that's where people don't don't realise. Well, it's Lord Dyson for a start, and uh, <laughs> sorry, Lord and the, Dyson. 
and the, who was master of the roles, who who uh, served as the as the judge on on the court of appeal, the, you know, the highest judge on the court of appeal. And, and he makes vacuum cleaners and <laughs> and sponsors Bath. But we'll get on to them in a minute. Just um, hang on a second, but, but we could nail this down because because this judgment has been kept so much under wraps mm. that the the chairman of the other twelve clubs. Are not being allowed to to see it. Um, well, they're not being sent an email of it. No, I the only way they can see it is they can go into the PRL offices in Twickenham, mm. and they can read it there. They can't take notes, and they can't take uh, they can't uh, take uh, pictures of it. Are you saying that that line they read out is not in the judgment? No, I'm saying that that is bizarrely out of 103 pages, Saracens have quoted one line. Yeah. They haven't quoted any of the other lines, which has given them a 35-point deduction and a 5.3 exactly. million fine. What lines are they? Well, well the, the lines are this. The, <laughs> the 35 points was the maximum penalty possible. And if the tribunal had not felt so strongly in their findings that the breach was not so severe uh, that they had discretion to reduce the points and award minus 3, minus 5, minus 10 or whatever, the fact that they gave the maximum penalty demonstrates how badly and how severe the breaches of whatever they agreed were. Who says that? I'm telling you now. That that's, is your, a, that, that's your opinion, which you're reading off that, your notebook. That is a fact. No, it's not a fact. That, that no, one, a fact. no one has said that anywhere. Well, no one you, well, has said that I, anywhere. I, I promise you now, the fact that they're not letting the owners have a full copy of the uh, findings uh, and the fact that they're allowed to actually go into a, a, a lawyer's office and read a redacted statement tells you everything you need to know. No, it, and the fact well, that you, Saracens aren't appealing it also tells you everything you need to no, know. No, it doesn't. You're wrong again. <laughs> the, the exact facts are that Premier Rugby's regulations will not allow the judgment to be circulated or read. That is their regulation, and that is what the clubs ag- agreed. Secondly... Yeah, the clubs absolutely regret that now. I tell well, you, they okay, all tough, want to... Ch- tough. Yeah, yeah, but tough. So they agreed to something uh, five years ago that they regret now. But Saracens they all want it out in the public because they want people to know exactly what happened. Saracens have read the judgment. Of course, they, they know it, mm-hmm. I, I presume, because they, they had to decide whether yeah, to appeal. They've quote, they're quoting so, one line from it. So no, the, no, no, wait the, a minute. Let Steve, me the first time they quoted that line... They, Saracens have, have read the judgment and they announced last week they would like it to be shared. Secondly, lol, you're completely wrong again. The reason why Saracens have, have, have binned off their appeal is nothing whatsoever to do with the contents of the judgment at all. They, ha- they, they, under- they were told it would be impossible for the review to be heard before March by which time they'd have no idea whether to play their top players or not. Saracens said last week they'd like, uh, they'd like the, the judgment to be shared. Uh, if there's a rule that doesn't allow it to be shared, there's absolutely nothing to stop Saracens sharing with the public how these um, co-investments and, no. their, and their business works. No, that is Any, anyone, anyone can, can do, do that. You, see, you, you can do that. If they want to build trust, then they can say, listen, this is why we've been hard done by, because this is how we operate. But they're not going to do that, are they? If they want it to be shared, then they can go to PRL and say we want it to be shared. The other, the other 12 clubs will go, go for it, and it will happen. No, they Saracens won't. won't. They're no, just they saying won't. that, Steve. No, they won't. Oh, you're, no, so, won't. You're, you're, you're very stubborn with your view on this, aren't you? Lol, <laughs> this is a research job. No. When you well, put well, something listen, in the paper, listen, we, we've researched it as well. When, Steve, no, 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 I swear no, no, to you, I've spoken. You I've spoken to people inside Just this, and I think when the thing I mean, comes I, out, I, you are. I mean, obviously, as a director of WAS, I wouldn't have any. You, you, I wouldn't have all, any, <laughs> any insight into any of the information. You've all spoken no. about insiders. I've named it. If I've got to get something past the News International legal team, I've got to have two separate sources. 
neither of which had anything to do with one another, mm. which well, I did... Well, with... I'll tell you what, perhaps I'll go down to PRL's office and as a director of WASP, maybe I can read the statement and maybe we can come back and have this conversation in a few weeks' You time, should have done that ages ago. No. You should have done it before I then. don't need to, because I know I... exactly what's happening here. Hey, I, I, sorry, I, I can't... <laughs> I know exactly what's happening. They signed, our, they signed our best player, Elliot Daly. You don't need to tell me what's happening. No, but you're telling me what he's earning at Saracens. No. You have no idea Nigel, what he's earning at Saracens. Nigel, Nigel, of course he knows what he's earning Nigel, at Saracens. No, he does Because he negotiated with him. He said to Elliot, can you stay at Wasps because we'll pay you this? And Elliot goes, no, I'm going there because I'm getting this plus 100 grand. Of course you know how much you've been paid. Players do not go around telling other people what they're on. Well, you you tell people who you're negotiating with. Well, he hasn't gone for a pay cut. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Lawrence, is he earning more now than he used to be? Yes. If you've researched it, say on air what he's earning. No, because that's that's confidentially between yourself and the player. Well, okay, you said you knew. Tell us how much he's earning. Say it on air. It's not not, not fair to say We're not at liberty to say how much people are earning. But it's safe to say he's earning more at Saracens now than he was earning at Wasps last season. And let's just close it there. Nigel Ray has come out and said, we have made mistakes. And so, with humility, we must accept these penalties. As a club, we will now pull together and meet the challenges that lie ahead. We confirm our commitment to the salary cap and the underlying principle of a level playing field, and we will continue to work transparently with Premiership Rugby in this regard. And that's quite an interesting uh, word, transparently, because what they haven't done is they haven't declared the financial structures of any of those players, which were the rules under the salary cap. What you're supposed to do is show the auditor each individual financial arrangement for each player. Now, they knew that the auditor was no way going to pass that when he said there's the financial arrangements for Billy Vanapola, there's the financial arrangements for Owen Farrell. They didn't declare any of those, and now they've admitted to making that mistake. Yeah. They, they did declare some of them. They did declare some of them. No, qu- no did, question. Maybe some of them up to the salary cap. What, they what, did not continue. The mistake to, they yeah. made was... <coughs> oh, they, oh, they did make a mistake. You're now, now you're admitting they made a mistake. No, no, Nigel Ray just no, no, admitted no, Now it. you're admitting they made a mistake. So yeah, they, were, I, so I they admitted, were in breach of the salary cap. It is no more than an accounting error. On an industrial scale. Yeah, can and I you, just you're read talk, out... Listen, you're talking to an independent journalist now. You are a director of Wasps. All right. The, the, you, I, you, I'm an independent journalist. I haven't lost a player. No, we lost I, a few players. Actually. You lost a few players. I'm not a, a director of I, anything. But listen, I, but I don't begrudge the fact that Elliot Daly's moved, So just so we're clear, and I don't begrudge the fact he's moved to Saracens. You know, I've got no issue with that. Billy Vanapola moved. I don't have an issue with that. He was a Wasp player, came through the Wasp Academy. He moved to Saracens. You know, if, you know, I understand there's a freedom of movement. All we're trying to contest here is that there has been a breach of the salary cap. I just wanted to what extent we can really believe that you go 600 grand over cap and, and, and have done it sort of without, without being deliberate. Who's 600 grand over cap? Well, to get a 35-point deduction, you've got to be over no, 600 grand over. No, because That's there's, what two, the rules there's, two, say. No, there's two elements of it. First of all, you're paid, as you say, pro rata for going over. But secondly, there is the actual offence of doing it and not declaring it. So it is not totally based on how much they went over. Well, the rules say that there's a sliding scale, and once you're 600 grand yeah. over, you get your 35 points, which is the maximum. Yeah, but so they're the at least 600 scale. grand over. They could be six million over. No, they're not. They're not. Well, you don't know how you, much over they are. No, if you re-reread the rules, you'll find out there's an element for the actual offence itself. The fact that they they came with the maximum penalty 
and the fact that Sa- I mean I know this PR machine that's going on is a bit of a smokescreen. The fact that Saracens have decided not to appeal the review suggests that there was not just a small going over whatever they were allowed to spend. It was quite a considerable amount that they were over because you do not, as Lord Dyson, dish out the maximum penalty available, thirty-five points, and a pretty substantial fine of five point three million for just going over the salary cap a small bit. Okay, can, maybe there's apparently another, you do. Maybe there's another way of looking at this. Maybe, maybe, Tosh. No, 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 Maybe there's another way of looking at this. So, look at Saracen's squad and ask yourself why have they got twice as many internationals as any other team in the league? Look at look at how many how many how many players do Saracens have at the World Cup? Sixteen. Exeter, who they beat in the final last two finals, had six. So how can you have that quality of player if Exeter are up to cap? If all the other clubs are up to cap, how can Saracens have so many more international players? It just doesn't. Add up. Well, no, the, the issue, I mean, what, what, unless all these international players are saying, you pay, pay me like an average club player, yeah. don't pay me yeah, what the, I'm and worth. And the argument is that, and Saracens quite rightly point to the, what, the fact that they've got a very good academy, and a number of those players have come through that academy. But the thing is, once you become quite successful and you play for England and you play for the British Lions, you also attract the attention of other clubs and you become. Are subject to a number of offers to leave your yeah. own club, and your value rises, and your value rises, and there you have to, you know, the 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 your current employer have to meet that market value. So, so, so uh, sorry, so so, but listen, boys, are you saying that these guys are all at Saracens because of the salary? Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the, the, the nothing to do with all their systems. Nothing to do with the culture. Nothing to do with the, with their togetherness. Nothing to do with Mark McCall, Brendan Venter. The, the old... No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But but I am saying that they that they are being paid what they're worth. And I, I don't. Are you saying that they're all ba- being they're earn, all earning half of what they're worth because they like the culture? Absolutely. You can't. You so can't mean that, Steve. If you want to take that argument on, so let's say uh, they refuse to pay Toji anymore. So he's going to go to Worcester, is he? Look, on Saturday, a fly half of Saracens was the latest Vunapola, okay? Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't um, Max Malins who was next in line. It wasn't Alex Lazowski who was an international player. It wasn't Owen Farrell who wasn't there. So that was their fourth choice f- uh, uh, fly half. Their system is absolutely bloody brilliant. They are the archetypal modern-day club because these days players don't come in through the, win- the window and the door like they used to at Leicester, etc. Local, local lads. Mark McCall is the, one of the be- best coaches, if not the best, in the game, and their systems are bloody brilliant. Steve, I don't disagree with any of that. I completely agree they've got the best academy in the country. I have so much respect for what the academy has done and what it achieves and what it's produced. they produce more than anyone else, but I think that is irrelevant to this salary cap conversation. So these guys are only there because Saracens no, have paid them No, more. That's, not what, that's not what he said. He said that they, they are there because of the coaching structure, which they've invested in enormously, and they've got some wonderful coaches, because of the, the academy, which they've invested in enormously, and they've got probably the best academy, certainly of all the premiership clubs, probably you know on a, on a par with the likes of Leinster. So there's lots of reasons why they're there, but ultimately they've not signed a contract to earn less money there than they have anywhere else. I, was, I stayed at Wasps for the same reasons because I, I believed in the culture I believed in the chance to win trophies I liked the coaches I was coaching with and I thought that we would attract some of the best players in the country but I was only subject to an offer maybe two or three offers that were might have been a five or ten percent increase in the current salary that I was earning now there's not, it's not worth leaving that culture that competition for places etc but these guys have been subject to 
salary offers considerably higher than they were earning at the time. So none of them have signed on, with Saracens and with Nigel Ray and these co-investments for less than their market value. And you've got to put, you've got to filter that all into the, the state of the current game where players can lose their their livelihoods, their livings just at the, at the, uh, in one tackle. We we all we all know how um, vulnerable a player's career is. So they they all understand the the necessity to earn while they can. They're not saying I've got 15 years here. I'll just take a little bit less. They're going. I I want to maximise what I'm worth. Mm. That I mean, we know that is the case. That is not that that is not just the whim. They they want to maximise. And also, what there's, worth. An, there's another there's another string to this argument, which is you know sort of backs what Saracens are doing. You know, would England have the team that they have? Uh, currently the squad if if Nigel Ray and the Saracens board had not kept that core of English players together the answer is probably not would England would Saracens have won three out of the last four European Cups if they'd not kept that squad together uh, the answer is no they wouldn't so you know there's a flip side to to to, to, the, to what's happening at Saracens in that English rugby takes big big strides forward and you know we can proudly and we have proudly over the last three or four years talked about Saracens glowingly in terms of their performances in the Heineken Champions Cup when you say you say that um, you know people you break your leg and that's the only that you know then you've lost your whole career if I was in that situation if I was worried about breaking my leg and losing my career Saracens would, would, would be where I'd go to because if you leave aside the salary cap I think I, I listed seven companies in which Nigel Ray or colleagues have invested in retired players. So that's where I'd go and that's where I'd stay. Also, if I was, if I was a Saracen, first of all, when you get that coaching team, they bring you from nothing. Mario Toji's um, salary went from, as we all know, 20 grand to 200,000 in one year because he, he went out of the academy. But if they're developing that sort of player, suddenly they get other incomes. You get, you get your international rugby income. You get your income for playing for the Lions. You get your, your side deals. You get your advertising deals. You get your appearance deals. So if you go to Saracens, in the end, your Saracen salary is not going to be a massive figure in it anyway. It's not going to be more than 20 30% of your salary. If someone gives you an extra couple of quid, so what? Well, you I, want to stay where you are. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that, but... I, I still don't don't believe I don't believe that that you that, that the Saracens players are taking pay cuts. You say they're prepared to take half of what they're worth to stay there. So who's saying they're taking half of what they're worth? Well, you just said that earlier. You've got all those other clubs out there who are trying to win the Premiership every year. You've got all these other players out there who are trying to enhance their own reputations, their own careers, their own earning ability. You've got all these other coaches out there who are trying to win something. And it hasn't been a level playing field. So, does the punishment fit the crime? I don't think I'm really the person to, to say that. But I just, I, I just look at the rest of the Premiership, and I just feel that, that they've been conned. I think it's been an, it's been, it's been an unfair competition for. We've been talking about this sort of off the record for for too many years now, and now it's out there. I feel sorry for the fans who are supporting the teams that haven't had a fair chance to win. I feel really sorry for the other players from the other teams who haven't had a chance to win. But what if those players have won all these titles and and had earned, and had boosted their earning ability and got sponsorships and maybe got into the England team as well? I mean, I just think I, I just think the tentacles of what's happened just stretch so far 
that we have that we have to take this seriously. I, I, I think the, the comparisons to Bloodgate are invidious, but I just think this is this is a big scandal, and, and I think thirty five points is 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 reasonable, okay. if not if not. Okay, since you bought into what you think has happened and what hasn't happened, there is no one that's ever played against Exeter who wouldn't be there if if Nigel Ray had come in three million below the salary cap. Every one of those players would have been out there. Exeter lost on the field of play. No one was there because they were being paid more. And I'll tell you what a good... Finally on this, I'll tell you what a really good indication would be. Clearly, Saracens have got to be whiter than whiter and white next year. Okay, so at the end of the year, they've got to be whiter and white. Let's see how many people leave Saracens. None. Do you think that the, 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 those legal eagles, and as well paid as they are, probably said to Saracens, I would suggest it's probably better in the interest of the competition and yourselves moving forward that you don't review the decision? Because no. Because if you review no. the, if you, and I know that you're suggesting that that was so that they can focus on rugby and there wouldn't be a hearing until January, etc. And it would, it would be a sort of a bit of a cloud over the rugby season. But there's a lot of people, not necessarily myself, but there's a lot of people in rugby that probably take the view that they didn't review it because if you do then everything more stuff would become more public and uh, and that's probably a good reason why they shouldn't review it and they should just try and draw a line under it right now and the other question i would ask is that clearly there's some th- something's gone wrong you're you're suggesting that they've done nothing wrong um no hang on yeah. <coughs> i said they breached the salary cap. okay so but when you have things like integrity and honesty and humility written up on your stand as the values of your club that starts to you, you start to question that don't you really because clearly something's gone wrong here go back to you before anything that warrants a maximum sanction and a pretty hefty fine hmm. suggests to all of us who apparently know exactly what's in the report but we don't that there's something amiss you know a foot has taken place and and you know everyone's trying to draw a very cozy line underneath it and and uh, i suspect what will happen now is that prl with the backing of saracens and all the other owners will sit around the table and say okay what's gone is gone you know there is a slight asterisk next to those stars that you, you know next to those european stars that you won uh, and there's an asterisk next to the league uh, titles that you won because you've won them by breaching the salary cap but you've still won them they're not going to be taken away from you and moving forward we need to agree as a group of premiership clubs you know what the salary cap really means co-investment or fixed salary and and how we move forward out of this rather sorry saga there won't be any asterisk in the sunday times i can't speak for the times even though we're now amalgamated (laughs) finally with different versions and different papers with, with the five million fine it is obvious that the greedy uh, swines out there are now trying to divvy that up so they all get half a million each. That, should, that is completely wrong. They should give the £5 million from Saracens to the Saracens Foundation, to the Saracens High School. I'm assuming that the, um, the, the reason they're, sorry, just so our, our listeners are aware, the reason they're divvying up the fine is because under the rules of Premiership Rugby, which were signed up to by all of the clubs, that's what they agreed to. No, it's not. Is it not? There is no law in the regulations confirmed by Paul Morgan on the record in the Sunday Times. They do not know what they do with the five million. There's no law, there's no, law, there's no regulation to, co- to cover it. To Jonesy's point, in, in fairness, in Europe, across Ireland, France, that this is not even a story because there is no salary cap in European. Yeah, that's countries. absolutely right. And that's therefore, right. You know, Saracen's participation in that competition is not questioned. And in actual fact, having suffered a big uh, defeat in the opening uh, round against Racing, they put that uh, to bed with, a, with an emphatic victory against Ospreys. And I genuinely believe, as Mark McCall reiterated uh, 
uh, a couple of days ago, you know, if they find themselves, you know, at the top of the pool come the quarterfinal stage, they will have a very, very good <coughs> chance of qualifying. So we've had two rounds of the uh, Champions Cup, the Heineken European Champions Cup, as we describe it. Who have you been impressed with in those opening two rounds? Uh, Slotty, I, I, would, I mean, I'll open up by uh, saying that obviously, uh, from an English club point of view, given that how far all the, uh, the, the England players went in the World Cup uh, and, the, and the balance that those directors of rugby have to strike between the Gallagher Premiership and the European Cup. Um, I, I feel like they've made a bit of a slow start, haven't they, to be honest with you? And it's only Exeter and Northampton that uh, have come out of the traps and, and look anything like they're capable of, uh, of winning the competition. I, th- I think that's not hugely different to, to the pattern of previous seasons. I mean, previous seasons... Saracens has really been the only team that's contended for, uh, for from England, and Exeter have been disappointing. So this this season, it, it would appear that Exeter have gone up a level in in Europe, only after two rounds, but they've they've looked pretty impressive. Uh, so who I who I've been impressed with? Northampton seem to have gone up up a level. They're they're winning the first round. Was that against Leon at home? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I thought they. I thought that was uh, a bit of a statement. You know, we, we're actually we're at the party this time because um, too many times you see English clubs. They qualify for Europe, and then 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 it's like, God, do we actually want do we actually want to be here? Because um, we haven't, they haven't got the resources to fight a European campaign. I mean, Worcester were a bit like that last season, weren't they? So, so I think Northampton have um, have taken a step forward, which is which is really encouraging. Extra, I think, could could go. You know, they should should be in the knockout yep. stages, um, and then who knows 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 what's there. Well, ten points from their opening two games. I think Exeter certainly looked the pick of the. Uh, English clubs, Gloucester already having lost both games, albeit narrowly, uh, first at Toulouse and then yesterday in Montpellier, looked like they might concentrate on domestic honours. Jonesy, for you, um, I mean, clearly Leinster are the pick of the Irish provinces again, although some really strong performances from Ulster and, and Connaught. And who's impressed you from, from over the channel in, in France? La Rochelle were about to impress me till they self-immolated yesterday. Yeah. Um, Toulouse, um, I think they're slow playing. I always like it when Toulouse are winning games and not playing very well at the start of the season. Well, mm. I think they're going to come through. But can I just make one, one other point? I don't want to be controversial here, like in the last bit, but the, the English players, not all of them are back yet. Uh, Saracen's still got a few to come back, so have other clubs. Mm. They've been away from since May these players, in six weeks' time, they all go away again. Really, it is so difficult for England, and that is why anyone who's won the Cup from England has done such a magnificent job. France are a little bit in the same position, so Irish teams really should be favourites for this, Leinster and and Munster. Mm. It is such a bloody um, uh, nightmare, and when you come down to it, England players are with their clubs less and less yeah. and less. No, I, I 100% agree with that. I was just making the point that because Ireland's players wet, exited the World Cup early, yeah. they would have come back very disappointed, but also very hungry with a point to prove. And you know, I believe that those players from Leinster in particular and from Munster mm. uh, will go into that Heineken Champions Cup and go, do you know what? We'll show you that what happened in Japan was just a, a blip. That's very true. And, and you know, as, as a player myself who was lucky enough to win the World Cup in '03, I came back from, uh, from, the, from that tournament in Australia, slightly over-refreshed, it must be said, but Warren Gatlin said to me, listen, you can have a week off and, and then you're playing in the Heineken Champions Cup the following week against Perpignan. Uh, and we were lucky enough to go on and win the Heineken Champions Cup that season. Now, of course, he gave me rest later on in the season because he knew that I probably needed it. Um, but I couldn't, wait, I couldn't wait to get back to play, playing for my Besides, club. Can, Besides, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
this has gone on and on and on. The clubs see their players less and less mm. and less. You're a director of, of Wasps. All these clubs are trying to make their way. Would you challenge Regulation 9 in the court? Well, what I would say is that the club's uh, owners and the RFU signed up to an agreement, um, which, let's not forget, the RFU provide each of those clubs with a lot of central funding for all of the England players, English qualified and EPS squad players that they provide. Now, on the back of that, there has to be a bit of a trade-off. And the trade-off is that those players will only play a certain number of games for their club in one calendar year, including the World Cup warm-up matches, including the World Cup itself. So it is a fine juggling act for the coaches from Saracens and all the clubs as to which, when and which games they introduce those England players back to. But we mustn't forget that for each England player that they produce, they receive quite a hefty amount of money from the RFU. So that agreement gets revisited on a regular basis. Whether it's the right one moving forward, who knows? But you know, I go back to the point that only two or three of the Premiership clubs out of 12 make any money whatsoever. The rest of them are substantially in debt, including my own club, Wasps, and are only um, in trading because of the, uh, the, you know, the goodness of, of, of some pretty hefty financial uh, backing from, from individuals. And, uh, you earn so much, Lawrence, you must be able to help now, can't you? <laughs> I'm talking about breaching the salary cap again. <laughs> That's not very nice, isn't he? He signed three deals this morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do think the, um, the psychology of when you reintroduce your players is interesting. Yeah. Because um, as you say, the Irish and Scots have come back really, really disappointed and they mm. just want to get at it. You'll come back a World Cup winner and you're feeling on top of the world, so you're feeling pretty happy with life. I think I think the English players who've who have got all got all the way and just just fallen onto the final hurdle. I, I think they're they're probably the most sort of scarred by it. And you you can see you know Saracens have Vi, uh, Vincent Cock playing yeah. at the weekend, or he played the yeah. so he played last weekend. Yeah. He played at Racing yeah. a week a week and a bit yeah. ago. But, uh, so but he was I, the yeah. first one to come back. But, but, and, but I would take the view that these guys, have, as, as Jonesy's point, they've been in training camp since God knows when May last year. You know May this year. They are in the shape of their life. Yeah, they want to get they're out in there the as well. physical shape of their life. So in my you can't unless you're injured or you've got some mm. sort of serious mental health problem. You know, you need to get yourself out on your rugby field for your club because you are you, you're the fittest you've ever been in your career. Now, uh, you know, we saw that from the performance of Elliot Daly yesterday for for Saracens made a wonderful debut and and showed us uh, you know the sort of form that uh, the reason why Saracens you know have, have have paid whatever they've paid for him. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Slotty, you were at sale yesterday where there was a try disallowed after the conversion. Now, I've, I've sought a bit of counsel on this, and I think we've all, we've all been led to believe that once the conversion's been taken, the points stand. But actually, that's, that's not the case at all. Uh, I think that's just something that we created on television as a way of uh, suggesting that. Um, uh, my understanding is that the TMO can intervene even after the conversion's been taken. Um, to disallow the try, what was what was Steve Diamond's take on it? That would have been quite interesting yesterday. We, he was just happy to get to get away with a win, to be honest with you, because he knew, he knew that his team had, had not really um, uh, turned it on, and he he didn't winch about that at all. In, in fact, all he was talking about was how he wants to get Leone Nakarawa into the, into his team, wow. uh, and under the cap. Um, but that's a injury dispensation thing. Sorry, Steve. Um, that would be some signing, <laughs> Nakarawa, wouldn't it? I mean, he's uh, oh, is he going to just having that guy, isn't he? He's he's a uh, uh, unbelievable player. So he's obviously the player that uh, had, didn't return back to Racing 92 because he was building his family a house. That was the reason he gave to his director. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't come back uh, come back to work when, when expected. I was told that, that he had his disciplinary on Friday, mm. but, um, but Sale seemed confident enough to say that they can get him on, um, on their injury dispensation. I mean, the, the Sale have got um, Josh Beaumont and Lou Diaga, mm. the South African World Cup winner, um, those are their two first choice locks, and they're both injured, so they they can do that. And, and um, but I just, I just love the balls of that. <laughs> to say we're, we're going to go and get an Akira. Yeah. Well, Steve Diamond's never afraid to to speak his mind, and and obviously got away with a uh, with a win yesterday, and it kind of keeps them in contention. But can, can we just go back onto that on, onto that try? Yeah. Because because um, uh, anyone listening, not not sure what we're talking about. Sale did score the. The, the most wonderful try from from on their own Simon Hammersley through a through a long and ludicrously audacious pass which was nearly intercepted and uh, and um and shot him in the foot but uh through this uh, long pass to Danny Solomona and, and then they swept down the length of the field and it was absolutely gorgeous there was there was a clear forward pass in the middle of in the middle of that but but um as you're saying try was scored conversion was taken and everyone was thinking oh well that's that's that then isn't it but then the, the TMO is re- reviewing it and and yeah there's there's a lot of misinformation about what if once the conversion's been done um then you can't review i can't name the man on this occasion he is a very very senior figure i rang him immediately i saw that on tv i said surely they that they cannot go back to the TMO once the conversion is taken. He said the ref was wrong under the current protocol. Right. It was wrong. You, you, you cannot uh, go back. But he does say, however, we all agree if it is a nonsense, we would bend the protocol to get the right yeah, So, outcome. So what he's saying is that, you know, it wasn't a borderline decision. It was looked like it had been thrown a metre or metre and a half forward. Yeah, so therefore, yeah. that's probably why Steve Diamond did not you know, contest it given uh, given the outcome of the game. But uh, so so Sailor up and running. Just going back to the the chat about Racing Metro, who have also opened their account with a win at home to Saracens and then a draw over in Munster. Uh, Stuart Barnes, uh, our colleague, argues that Finn Russell, the uh, Racing fly half and Scotland fly half, should be the Lions fly half if he carries on playing the way he did against Munster for Racing. I think he's talking about uh, a moment of skill where he nutmegged uh, Scannell which probably will um, will haunt Scannell for a few more seasons to come. But Finn Russell, talk, you know, let's just talk about him particularly. You know, is he the guy that could, you know, light up Racing's um, Heineken Cup campaign this year? Well, 
Probably, but I, I, I might sound like Mr. Scrooge here, but when, when you look at that nutmeg, wasn't that the, the luckiest thing that ever happened in the history of lucky rugby? I mean, Scannell is, is, Scannell's running across and Finn Russell puts a little grubber in it. It happens to go through his legs. It's not like when you nutmeg a, 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 a footballer, he's sort of standing there stationary trying to, trying to defend. Mm. That, that, then you sort of know what you're doing. But Russell's running, Scannell's running. He kicks an oval ball which can bounce in any way and it happens to go through his legs. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just think it was very fortuitous. I mean, it wasn't just that. He, he's clearly a player who plays with, with an incredible amount of vision because he spotted uh, O'Mahony and Lockwood uh, Lockwood injured, and he went straight through the gap there and fed him off for his try. So he has vision that I don't believe every fly half in, in, oh, in the co- Northern Hemisphere completely has. agree. I, I, I love watching him. He did a couple of brilliant things in the uh, Racing Saracens game that I was at the weekend before. He, he's a complete joy to watch. I, I just, I just, I just looked at that that little grubber, the the, the nutmeg grubber, as it's known, a few times. ago. I don't know if he if he knew what he was doing there. Jonesy, I, I, am I, I miserable? No, I, I, I find myself agreeing with you. But look, the, the thing is, with that, the game is so machine like these days. Yeah. That used to happen hundreds of times. Yeah. I mean, my all time hero, David Watkins, do that three times a match. It's just one of those things. It, it good on him for doing it, but it just reminds you of what we lost from rugby. Mm. Because that, that that was great. It, it did go yeah. through his legs. Lawrence, did you do that sort of stuff? No, 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 no. And if anyone did that to me, then that would be highly embarrassed as well. Really. <laughs> In what, fact, they did actually a couple of times. James, they, James Simpson Daniel ran round me uh, three times before he scored. He came back to run round me for the third time um, <laughs> and actually turned me in circles. So uh, we've all been embarrassed on the field of play, that's, that's for sure. Now, just talking about some of the other contenders, Ulster uh, have made a, a pretty bright start. You know, one away at Bath and produced a... Uh, a performance against Claremont, do we think they are genuine contenders? And just looking at the rest of the sides, Leinster, Northampton, Exeter and Toulouse all have two wins from two. Is it too early for us to say that the winner of the Heineken Champions Cup this season might come from, from that group? Or uh, are we reading too much into that? I think we are, Lawrence, because what a terrible result for Bath. If Bath mm. are going to have any pretensions this year, you've got to beat Ulster at home. Yeah. Ulster have always been really difficult to beat at, at Ravenhill, or so wherever they call the ground now. Uh, but but you've got to, if you're Bath, you've got to already be in crisis mode because that was awful. Ulster are not, are not that great to side, I'm yeah. sorry. I, th- I think Bath, I don't know, it, it, when you're two two defeats down from two, mm. is, 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 are, you, are you not almost writing well, it off? Then, Bar- I think Wasps and in, in the past Bath have actually both qualified, having lost their opening two Champions Cup games. But you do think, right, looking yeah. at the quality of, of some of the other teams in the groups, that, that that's, gonna, you know, that's not going to be the case this time around. Um, they've got to get past Claremont as well, haven't they? They've, yeah. they've got two games yeah, against I mean, Claremont I, to come. I, I, I agree with you, Jonesy. I don't think Saracens are out of the mix, uh, out of the equation yet. I think, uh, you know, uh, a couple of wins for them and, and suddenly they're right back in it. I'm still not convinced about Claremont. Uh, I think they, they have weaknesses in their side. I think Leinster look exceptionally strong. Exeter, the best chance from, from England's point of view. I think Northampton will find out a lot about themselves when they go to, to, to Dublin in... in uh, uh, in round four, and and Toulouse looked to be the best, um, you know, threat from from France because they're winning ugly, which is uh, very unlike Toulouse. So uh, hopefully it'll be a, a fantastic um, Champions Cup. Maybe because so many World Cup players have been away, but 
the the first two rounds seem to have been a bit ho hum, and I kind of feel that we we need. I'm looking forward to rounds three and four to some some really yeah. big clashes. I just don't know it's quite got going yet. Well, this well I'm, I'm with Jonesy. I mean, we're all still in Japan, and probably uh, most rugby fans are still sort of remembering the wonderful yeah. matches we saw in in Japan. And and when you come back. You know, it's very hard for any of those games to to be anything near that sort of quality, really. And I, and you know, it's difficult for for the coaches to to integrate those players back into you know their their, their systems and their setup. So maybe rounds three and four will will bring something better. Look, I'm sorry, I keep on making one last point, but the other thing is. Um the Heineken Cup's really got to fight its corner now. CVC are taking over or they're investing in mm. the Guinness Pro 14 and the Gallagher Premiership. The top 14 is is crazy competition, but it's going massively in France. European rugby's really got to be careful and it's got to fight its own corner because it is going to be swamped unless they, they look out. Some other stories that, that came out uh, across the week. England's women uh, beat Italy 60 points to three. I don't think we were surprised by that to end their autumn campaign with a third straight win. So the English uh, Roses are going at great guns. Um, and Japan women copied uh, the men by inflicting a uh, defeat on Scotland. <laughs> they're sick of the sight of Scotland 24 <laughs> points to 20 so, uh, oh, so you've got to see the funny side of that <laughs> well unless you're Scottish of course and I guess one more controversial story Bath's claim uh, and this is not going to help their relationship with the RFU England's have misled them over the extent of the injury to Joe Thokkanasinger's knee uh, at the World Cup mm. it was a strange one we didn't see enough of Thokkanasinger we didn't see enough of Jack Knoll, really, did we? He played brilliantly, by the way, for Exeter across the weekend. But uh, <clears throat> any light you might want to shed on any of that? Well, I, I, there was a suspicion that, that, that Joe Thokkanasinga wasn't fit or fit enough mm. almost the, the entire way through the World Cup. He, he, he went out there um, having um, picked up a, a, a slight injury. He got fit enough to play in that um, USA game where he scored two tries. Uh, looked okay, didn't look brilliant, um, and and then and we didn't see him again. We were always told he was available for selection, but I, I but now what you're hearing, I, I can't believe he is. He was, and um, Bath believe that he should be sent home earlier mm. and sort of got on with the process of of rehab or or surgery or whatever's required. So mm. I I think it's a bit of a shame because uh, we looked um, we looked at Joe before that World Cup as a potential game breaker for England. You know, someone who could who could who might have turned a turned a big game. Mm. Um, he, he never got the chance, and, and and in my end of season, end of World Cup assessment, I just, I was a bit hard on him. I said he was one of the real disappointments of of the England World Cup. But if he just wasn't fit, then he just shouldn't have been there. What about England winning the Grand Slam this year? Get the crowd behind them, get the nation behind them, get the sponsors back, play attractive rugby. Then suddenly you won a Grand Slam, you're in business. Who cares? About- well, I mean, listen, what I would say, once you've produced the performances that they produced in the quarterfinal of the World Cup and then the semi-final of the World Cup, and let's just put the final to one side, there was, there was a lot of reasons why England lost that game. But they've set the benchmark so high mm. now mm. that you, you know, all England fans can can justifiably, I believe, say that we go into this tournament, particularly given what I said about the other sides, as as the favourites for the Six Nations title, admittedly Wales and Ireland at home, uh, and we've got to go in there and, and, and feel like we, we, we can win every single game. Absolutely. Let's go for the Grand Slam. At one end of the spectrum, we've got people thinking that England should or, or could win a Grand Slam. And at the other joyful end, we have something. We're going to return to something that we we, we know and love uh, in this constituency. Jones moans. Steve, 
over to you. We, uh, we, we, we love it when, when you get going. And Jones Moans coming in at number three, Cardiff. Cardiff Rugby Club, arguably one of the most famous clubs in the world, were so poor on Saturday night, it was shocking. And they almost had their full team out. That was awful and it was chilling. And number two is language and the referee's lack of the French language. Yes. Since you retired, um, Lawrence, a lot of referees are now having their their own say about about things. This, <laughs> the, the ref on Saturday, the referee from France in the Saracens Ospreys game spoke fluent English. He communicated brilliantly with both sides. We had a great game on Sunday, the La Rochelle game at Sale. The referee had no French whatsoever. All he was doing was shouting louder at the La Rochelle team. I am not, for a moment, condoning La Rochelle's poor behaviour. But the ref had no sympathy with them and no communication. If you're going to do top games involving French or Italian teams, you should have a working knowledge of the other language, otherwise it's grossly unfair. And coming in at number one, the nil-all draw. Nil-nil draw last weekend in the Midlands in a big club game finished nil-nil. The pop papers, the rag end of the market, the bread tops, and other people savaged this game, saying, what's rugby come to? The crowd should get their money back. What a shocker. How do they know it was a shocker? I've heard from the referee himself, it was a great game. There were no points. It ended in a draw, which was a good result. But it was a terrific, full-blooded game with great discipline and could easily have been 56-55. So we want more nil-all draws then? (laughs) No, but what I hate is the whinging about a nil-nil draw. Yeah, we do want more nil-nil draws. Yeah, let's have more. And and, so who was playing that nil-all draw? All right, scrap that bit. (laughs) Also, one of our regular features is for us to select a god or goddess of the week. Slotty, um, across everything that happened in the world of rugby, who are you going for? My God of the Week is a man that no one no one sees, no one hears. He's a mystery figure in rugby. His name Mick is Cleary? His name is Andrew Rogers. He's the uh, he's a salary cap manager at Premier Rugby. Uh, he's he, he you search him on the internet, you can't find him. He's just he's just out there. He's sniffing he's sniffing out criminal irregularities in the world of rugby. And I tell you what, he really needed the thickest skin and a suit of armour to get through the court case. Sorry, the legal proceedings to get his uh, his Saracens penalty over the line. Sorry, Jonesy, I know I didn't mean to dig up an old one, but that was always going to be my God of the Week, Andrew Mystery Man Rogers, Jonesy. My God of the week clearly is Nigel Ray, um, <laughs> the man, the man who in the in the worst area of London um, created Saracens High School, which now has a ninety eight percent attendance record for staff and children, way above the national average. The government has now approached him, saying, "Would you please create a Saracens primary school as well?" Which is what they're doing, and that is absolutely wonderful. God, just imagine what he's going to pay the teachers. For goodness <laughs> sake. <laughs> we certainly get the best teachers there, that's for sure. Um, and my, uh, my god of the week uh, is Finn Russell for playing uh, rugby the way that uh, the gods probably designed the game to be played. And let's hope that carries on for both Racing, for Scotland, and in two years' time for the British and Irish Lions. Very good. Well done, Finn. Well done, Lawrence. Well done for okay. getting back from Tokyo. Didn't think we were ever going to see you again. My thanks to Owen Slot and to Stephen Jones. The Ruck will return next Monday. Make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe now via Acast, iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Sorry, Brilliant. sorry.
As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.